scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. And it says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall, shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Keep your Bible open to Romans 14 and back up if you would to verse 1. Romans 14 beginning in verse 1. Read with me if you would. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls? Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. In the church that existed in Rome 2,000 years ago, there was a problem. The problem was that some of the brethren believed very sincerely that they had liberty to eat anything. And they would appeal to matters like Peter in Acts chapter 10, where God showed him a vision three times and said, showing him all kinds of unclean animals, arise, Peter, kill and eat. You can eat anything you want. But on the other hand, there were some brethren who for whatever reason in their consciences believed that it was wrong to eat meat. According to this passage, that was the issue. Maybe it was because the meat had been offered to idols. Maybe they just believed that this was not something that was conductive or conducive to, to living as a New Testament Christian. But for whatever reason, these brethren sincerely believed it was wrong for Christians to eat meat. And so they wouldn't do it. Later on in this chapter, in verse 5 and following, you'll read that some brethren in the church at Rome believed that all days were alike. Every day is on equal footing. We shouldn't celebrate or honor any specific day of the year, especially not in a religious sense. But there were some other brethren in the church at Rome who believed that some days needed special emphasis. Paul doesn't give us any more detail than that. He just points out the fact that some people think that certain days are worthy of recognition. And they believe that it would be wrong, sincerely and genuinely wrong for a Christian to ignore these particular days. And what's interesting when you read this chapter, Romans 14, all the way through chapter 15, verse 7, it's one lengthy discussion of how we ought to treat one another when we differ. And what's interesting, as I started to say, is this, that Paul never tells the church which side was right or wrong. He never says, you know, really, here's how you ought to go about solving this. And here's how you ought to go about being of unanimous opinion on this. He doesn't give any instructions along those lines. He doesn't say all the weak brethren who believe that they can't eat meats, they all should sit in a special Bible class where we teach them the truth about their liberty in Christ. He doesn't tell the church to do that. He doesn't say you just need to argue with them a little bit more and you just need to teach them a little bit longer 
so that they'll finally come around to the right way of thinking. That's not what this chapter does. What this chapter does is it gives Christians principles for relationships with one another. And in following those principles and abiding by them, we see grace in action. God is a God of all grace, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and following, and he is the God who also wants us to pour out and show his grace in the way we treat others. Now, why bring all this up? Because in the last few months, there is a litany of issues that have become incredibly divisive, even among the church here in Katy. Certainly you see it in the world, and the church sometimes is just a microcosm of what's going on in the world around us. Let me highlight two specifics. Romans 14 talks about eating meat or not. Romans 14 talks about esteeming one day above another. Those aren't necessarily issues that I'm aware of that we have a lot of argument over. But here are two things that we do. How about wearing masks? How do you personally feel about that? I would suggest that probably very few of us are in the middle. There are polar extremes and people have gravitated toward one of these two extremes and each side has some legitimate things to say, either in defense of wearing masks, they might say that this is how we show love for our neighbor and isn't that what Jesus taught us to do, or in defense of our personal liberty and not having to wear masks. And they might bring up some of the scientific evidence and the way that people have inconsistently tried to apply this. And there are some polar opposites and extremes and I hear you talking to each other. I hear you talking to me about these things. And as you look at the situation that's, uh, that's developed around us, we spend an awful lot of time asking questions like, should I wear a mask? And our society is dealing with that as well, obviously. Issue number two, how about the meeting or assembly question? The church here at Katy has opened its doors for in-person assembly since May. And yet many of our brethren have chosen not to return just yet. And their reasoning and their rationale might go something like this. I have a responsibility to my family. I live with people who are at high risk and I just cannot in good conscience expose myself in the middle of a pandemic to a situation where I might bring that virus home to my loved ones. And so for a very good reason, a very conscientious reason, a very sincere reason, some of our brethren have felt like they cannot yet return. But on the other hand, you've got brethren who are saying, you know, the Bible tells us this world is not our home. And the Bible tells us that everybody's going to die one day if the Lord doesn't return first, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And so really, what should we be all that concerned about? And you can start to see that it would be really easy in both of these situations, whether we're talking about masks, whether we're talking about when's it the right time to come back to the assembly, it would be very easy for us on either side of these matters to kind of look down our nose at the other viewpoint, to kind of look at the other group or the other viewpoint and say, 
that person really isn't living the Christian life the way they ought. That person really isn't living in the way that Jesus would have taught them to live. And what I suggest to you this morning is these kinds of issues are exactly what Romans 14 teaches us to deal with. In all my time as a gospel preacher, Romans 14 has been really tough to apply, but I don't believe it's tough to apply anymore because I believe this is exactly the kind of situation that God wants us to think together as his people, how can we bring grace and truth and love into our relationships with one another when we differ so strongly on some matters of judgment? And incidentally, since I mentioned matters of judgment, we have rightly so taught and believed that elderships have the right and the responsibility to make decisions for the church in matters of judgment. Isn't that what we believe as God's people? Isn't that what we think? We think that because that's what the Bible teaches. So when our eldership makes some decisions in matters of judgment, and when they, in their wisdom, say, as a congregation, we're going to do some things to respond to what's going on around us, don't they have that right and that responsibility? We need to think about that as God's people as well. As you're looking at Romans chapter 14, Paul, if he were writing to us today, I'm convinced Paul might have some things to say about wearing masks and he might have some things to say about when's the right time to return to the assembly. He might have some things to tell us about those matters, but I'm convinced he would say what's really more important than even those matters is how we relate to one another. Are we bringing the grace and love and truth of Jesus Christ into each other's lives by the way that we treat one another? And what you read in Romans chapter 14 all the way into chapter 15 verse 7 are six relationship principles that every one of us needs to apply. This is not just for the people who differ from you and how you think about things. This is for every single Christian. How are we going to get along in the grace and love that is in Christ Jesus. Relationship principle number one, as we look at one another and try to relate to one another, the first principle is found in verse one of Romans 14, and the principle is this, accept one another. Look at Romans 14 verse one again. My translation says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes about doubtful things. So. What does Paul mean when he says accept or receive another person? The word itself means to welcome, to accept, to admit to friendship and hospitality. It's very easy for us when we differ with someone, it's very easy for us to try, kind of keep them at arm's length. And Paul says, not, that's not the way Christians relate to one another. Somebody has a different viewpoint about some matters. We ought to try to press that relationship. We ought to try to do everything we can to show that we care about each other, that we love one another, that we accept and receive one another. And notice that the verse says, not for the purpose of disputes about doubtful things. That means that if I differ with somebody, and I know I do, and I'm trying to apply this, this passage to my life, I'm not inviting somebody over for coffee just so that I can try to tell them one more time why they're wrong about wearing masks or why they're wrong about when's the right time to assemble. 
receive one another, not for the purpose of disputes, but because of two things. As you read the passage, because God has received him, I ought to be asking the question, when I look at my brothers and sisters in Christ, has God received this person? Has God accepted this person? In other words, have they obeyed the gospel? Have they put their trust in Jesus Christ? Have they submitted to him? Is he what they are all about? And serving him and living a life of a disciple, has God received this person? That's the first and best question I ought to ask about my brothers and sisters. And the second question like unto it is this, will a person lose his or her soul over this matter? And I ask you this morning, wearing a mask, are people going to lose their souls over that matter? When's the right time to assemble, especially given that there is a pandemic going on around us? Are people going to lose their souls over that matter when they're making this decision conscientiously because of a sincere love for others? We need to deal with those kinds of questions because the Bible tells us to deal with those kinds of questions. Accept one another. Second relationship principle. Look at verses three and four. The second principle is this. Do not despise each other. Look at Romans 14, verse three. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats for God has received him. You know, it's a small step from differing with someone to despising someone. Haven't you found that to be true? I don't like that person's viewpoint. I don't like where they're coming from on this matter. And before long, you find yourself having some malice and some animosity toward the other person. Do not despise each other. Paul gives two instructions in this section. In the first place, he speaks to the strong, those who believe they're able to eat anything. He says, do not despise the one who abstains. Don't look at that person and say, you know what we really ought to do is we really ought to have a special Bible class and everybody ought to gather together and I'm just going to lay down the law and I'm going to tell people about their liberty in Christ and I'm going to tell them that they're wrong to think that they can't eat meat. Paul, Paul doesn't tell anybody to do that. He says, don't despise. Be careful about your attitude toward your brother who differs with you. And then on the other hand, to the weak in this same passage, do not pass judgment on another's servant. You know, the weak brethren who would not eat meat, they might have looked at their strong brethren and said, you know, our strong brethren, they're just not serious about spiritual matters. They're just not serious about what the Bible teaches about this issue that I'm so concerned about. And they might have passed judgment on their brethren. Why should we not pass judgment on our brothers and sisters? Look at verse 4. Who are you to judge another servant? We are not the judge, number one. Who are you to judge another servant? My brother serves the Lord, and my brother is going to give an answer to the Lord for how he's living his life. And when we're talking about disputable matters, when we're talking about matters in which someone is not going to necessarily lose their soul, we ought to be very careful when we start imputing motives and passing judgment. We are not the judge. He goes on to say in verse 4, to his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. You know, one thing that would be really good to do, this is for you, Anthony. Anthony and I have been studying together a lot this week. 
read Romans 14 and just make a note of what it teaches about God. That would be a worthwhile study to read this chapter and just make a, line, a, a note on every line where it tells us about what God is and who he is and what he's able to do. God is able to make him stand. He is of a different opinion, of a different mindset about this matter, but God accepts him. God can make him stand. We lack the capacity to know other people's motives. We lack the authority to sit in judgment on our brothers and sisters in matters like this. We need to be careful that we don't despise. Relationship principle number three, look at verse five. As you look at Romans 14 and verse five, Paul says, remember that conscience matters. We are talking about matters in which people feel very, very strongly so strongly that they believe it would be wrong for them to do otherwise. So strongly that they believe that it, to, to do otherwise would violate their conscience to the point of sin. We need to remember as God's people that conscience matters because sometimes we kind of sweep it away and act like it's not a big deal. If you have a conscience problem with this, you just need to get over that. Paul would say a sensitive conscience is a good thing. Aren't you glad that people care about what's right and wrong? Aren't you glad that people are sensitive to what's good and what's not good? Aren't you glad that people are thinking about how to apply God's word in various difficult situations around us? Paul himself said, I've always tried to live in good conscience before God. Acts 23 verse 1, when somebody in their conscience really believes that something is wrong, a sensitive conscience is a good thing. Conscience matters. And I want you to notice as you read the rest of Romans 14 and all the way into chapter 15, Paul never blasts anybody. He never berates anybody for wanting to avoid sin. These brethren that didn't believe they could eat meat, these brethren that believed that they needed to esteem certain days, Paul never says, you guys just need to grow up and you guys just need to be better educated. He never says that. He says, you need to be careful, church, how you treat one another, especially when conscience is in view. In Acts chapter, or excuse me, in, in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, Paul says, whatever is not of faith is sin. If I violate my conscience intentionally because of peer pressure, or because somebody expects me to, if I'm doing that intentionally, I need to be very careful. Violating my conscience on a matter like this can be a sinful thing. Conscience matters. Relationship principle number four this morning. Romans chapter 14, verses 13 through 15, do not destroy others. Read with me in Romans 14, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in and of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died." There are three terms worthy of mention in this passage. The first is stumbling block in verse 13. 
The word has to do with putting an obstacle in my brother's path. He's saying, if you know your brother has a conscience problem, don't intentionally throw a rock in their path. Don't do something or say something that's going to cause this to be more of an issue than it already is in your brother's life. Second term is a hindrance. Something that causes offense and results in disapproval or hostility. Don't do anything intentionally with malice, with malicious intent to offend your brother. Don't do that. And then a third term, grieved, verse 15. The word means to cause severe emotional distress, to irritate or to offend. So, if I have a relationship with my brother or sister in Christ, and I know that there is something that they are very conscientious about, I need to be careful not to destroy the one for whom Christ died. I need to be careful in the way that I treat them, that I'm not putting a stumbling block or an occasion for offense before them. That doesn't mean you can always avoid it. Sometimes just the practicalities of life happen. But I better be careful about my motives. And I better be careful about what I'm trying to accomplish in my relationships with others. You know what we have to resist when we differ on matters like this? We have to resist the temptation to just say one more thing about it. That's hard to do. Because we think somewhere deep down inside, if, if I just explained my rationale, if I just explained my logic one more time, then they'd get it. If I, just, if I just told people one more time why they should or shouldn't do something, then they would come around to my way of thinking. Social media is the worst. Because how many people do you know who have fundamentally changed their views on these matters due to some post they saw on Facebook or Twitter? I mean, really. How many people do you know who said, you know, I started thinking about what I saw and I've completely changed my opinion. We need to be careful how we relate to one another. Don't destroy others. Remember three things Paul would say. He would say, number one, it is easy to forget to walk in love, verse 15. You see it in the passage? It's easy to forget that we're supposed to be treating each other with love, and that's our lifestyle. And because we differ on some things, it's easy to start kind of needling each other. That's what he's talking about. It's easy to kind of make this a point of focus and a point of contention in our relationships. We need to be careful. We need to remember, secondly, that Christ died for this person. If Jesus thought that my brother was worth dying for, I had better be careful the way that I treat him and whether I'm putting a stumbling block or a cause for offense in his way. And then third, as you look down in verse 20, the word destroy in the New King James is used again. When we make non-essentials contentious, when these become what we're all about and what we're focused on, we may well be guilty of destroying the work of God. But think about that. For the church to stop in its mission of saving souls and making disciples and to start focusing on things like, incessantly focusing on things like, should we wear masks or not? For us to make this the point of emphasis takes away energy and takes away time and takes away zeal from what Jesus would have us to truly be doing. Do not destroy one another over these things. Relationship principle number five, keep the main thing the main thing. 
Read with me in Romans 14, beginning in verse 16. Paul writes, Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For, verse 18, he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. What's Paul saying? He's saying, keep the main thing the main thing. Don't forget your mission. And specifically, there are four matters to consider in this passage. Number one, we ought to keep the main thing the main thing by being thoughtful about how we exercise our liberty. We may well have the right and the liberty to do some things as Christians, but that doesn't necessarily mean that exercise of my liberty is what it's all about. I need to be thoughtful and loving and respectful of the viewpoints of others, even when it's a matter of judgment. Secondly, keeping the main thing the main thing, I can do that by emphasizing godly attributes. Look at verse 17. The kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking. Paul says. If he were writing today, he might say, the kingdom of heaven is not about masks or when's the right time to return to the assembly. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is about righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Are we emphasizing those things appropriately? It's a question worth reflecting on in my own life, in your life. By serving Christ wholeheartedly, is he really what we're all about? Why does our conversation not demonstrate that more? Why do our prayers not reflect that to a greater degree? And why do our actions sometimes show that maybe wholehearted devotion to Christ takes a back seat sometimes to my particular political viewpoint or my particular social viewpoint? Serve Christ wholeheartedly. And then number four, by pursuing peace and edification. Verses 19 and 20, Jesus prayed for peace. He prayed for unity among his disciples. And we are to treat one another with grace and with kindness and with love so that peace can reign among the kingdom of God's people. Keep the main thing the main thing. Relationship principle number six, follow the example of Jesus. Romans 15 verse 1, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So far, Paul is saying that just because I have liberty doesn't mean that I always should exercise my liberty. I ought to think about my brother who differs with me and how I relate to him. And then watch what he does in verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Even Jesus didn't please himself. Are we really following him in the way that we treat one another in these matters? Are we really showing that it's not about what pleases me and what satisfies my desires? It's about doing what's best for others. Jesus put others ahead of himself, Paul argues. And if we're going to be like him, we need to give thought to how we can do that in practical ways. Second, he bore the burdens of others. 
the reproaches of those who reproached him fell on, or reproached you fell on me. He says in verse 3, Jesus bore reproaches and insults because of his choice and his decision to put others first. It wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't just a, oh, this is inconvenient, but no, there were difficulties that he experienced because of this. But then notice what happens at the end of this section. In verses 5 and 6, it's very clear that in doing what he did and living the way he chose to live, Jesus brought glory and honor to God. And maybe at the end of the day, the question that every single one of us needs to be asking ourselves is this. Is the way I'm talking to people and the way that I'm treating people, is it bringing glory to God? Is it helping the cause and the greatness of God to be seen more in the world around me? Am I really keeping the main thing the main thing? Am I, am I demonstrating an attitude that I accept and do not despise my brethren? Is that what's coming from me consistently? These are matters for reflection because I tell you, as I stand here, the problems I've addressed this morning and brought up to highlight this issue, these issues, these problems are not going to be solved anytime soon. They're not going to go away anytime soon. Hope that doesn't destroy anybody's worldview. We're going to live with this for a while. Let's make sure we're living as people of grace who put grace into action. Thanks for your attention to the lesson this morning. Get, uh, I, you can't get your songbooks. That's what I'm used to saying, get your songbooks. But there are no songbooks. I think we ought to have songbooks. I think that's something that ought to be in the pews every service. Well, I differ with others on that. By the way, should the preacher have facial hair or not? I don't know. We, just, we have strong opinions about those things. We do, see? Don't get your songbooks, but do think about this. Heaven's invitation is yours all the time. Jesus wants you to come to him, and he wants you to obey the gospel, and he wants you to repent and to be baptized. The point of baptism is the point at which someone who is lost becomes saved. It's the point at which someone who is in the world comes out of the world and is added to the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Acts 2.47. And if you want to make that decision today, if you want to put on Christ in baptism, there is no better decision you could ever make. Heaven's invitation is always yours, but it's especially yours at this time as together we stand and as we sing. When we walk with the Lord in the 